Good morning, and welcome to the Sunday stream at Flat Creek Baptist Church. We are so thankful that you've joined us today, whether you're watching online or you are joining us on Glory FM 97.5. We are grateful for you being here today, and we look forward to worshiping well, alongside of you this morning. God bless you, and enjoy the stream.
God. Thank you so much. You may be seated. So if you noticed when you walked in the room today, we have some members of the sanctuary choir up here, but we're joined by a few others that aren't normally. We have a special treat this morning. The Golden Corral is going to continue to lead us in worship. They have a special lined up just for y'all to point you to Jesus this morning. So y'all enjoy this song. Before we sing, I want to share a couple of thoughts with you about our choir. We're basically a traveling choir. Can y'all hear me okay? This is for tall guys. Can y'all hear me? Um, we normally uh, sing away from Flat Creek, so it's a real a treasure for us to be at home this morning to sing for y'all. Coming up in the next several weeks, we will be traveling. In two weeks, we will be at Christian Hills Baptist Church in Claremont uh, doing a program of music for their revival service. Then on October the 21st, I believe, we will be at uh, New Hope Baptist Church then in Nicholson, Georgia, doing a gospel singing with uh, our friends Terry Dale and uh, um, Georgia. Georgia. How could I forget Georgia? <laughs> Georgia. Uh, and then on the uh, 28th, we will be at Mountain View Baptist Church doing the Redback Hymnal uh, Fifth Sunday Night Singing. So if you feel free to uh, be with us on any of those dates, we'd love to have you come. If you'd love to join this choir, we'd love to have you come and be a part of this choir. We rehearse every Monday at 4.30, and uh, even though we are a senior adult choir, there are no age restrictions on that for me. Just come and join us if you'd like to hear good Southern gospel mu music and want to sing some good songs. Come and be a part of our choir. We're going to do a song that... Uh, I believe I heard the other day it's recorded the first time in 1971. That makes it 52 or 53 years old, so you've probably heard it before. It says, when I wake up to sleep no more.
How about that? And look, you can't plan this kind of stuff. That's going to lead right into everything else we're singing and what we're preaching today. How about that? At this moment, I want to invite you to stand. Let's greet each other, welcome each other to church, and let's worship together as we continue. is filled with his glory. Let's sing these hymns now. All hail the power of Jesus' name.
Praise God. Thank you. Please be seated.
say after that oh well at this time thank you all for leading us in that so much uh I, I did this at the early service too i was not supposed to sing that song i was supposed to save my voice for preaching but you get to rolling on that song and you just can't help it it comes right on out amen well listen at this time uh you see miss Bree standing over here if you are children be, uh, between the ages of kindergarten and fifth grade and y'all want to make your way over here she will take y'all on down to children's church you can meet her and the rest of the workers there and be on your way uh as they're making their way out if you would uh, join me and turn to the book of ezekiel chapter number 37 uh, we've got a sermon today titled death to life now this is a pretty uh popular maybe is that the right word passage of scripture it has been preached a lot by a lot of people uh, but as pastor zach is kind of trying to gear us up and get us prepped for revival uh, this is a theme that he and i just couldn't really get away from uh, as we're lo uh, looking ahead towards revival so uh, i do want to make mention though uh, the reason he's not here is he's been asked to speak or uh, preach a revival in south carolina so he'll be there this morning uh, he's probably preaching right now matter of fact up there uh, and he'll be preaching there this evening as well. So here in just a minute when we pray, y'all make sure to lift him up in prayer as well. Uh, because I know he's going to be blessing the hearts of the church uh, congregation he's with today. Okay, Ezekiel chapter 37. Let's begin reading together in verse number one. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He caused me to pass among them round about, and behold... There were very many on the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, Prophesy over these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, that you may come to life. I will put sinews on you, make flesh grow back, and cover you with skin and put breath in you that you may come alive and you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded 
And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Verse 9, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, or the wind, depending on your translation. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came into them, and they came to life and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for what you've already done uh, in this room and across this campus. Uh, what an exciting uh, joy it is to be able to gather together to worship you together this morning. I do want to lift up Pastor Zach as he's uh, at Mount Zion Baptist Church in South Carolina. I pray you bless him. Pray you speak through him to that congregation. Lord, likewise, I pray over this time as we study together as well, I pray your message would ring out here. Uh, people would not hear the words of Caleb Lang, but they would hear the words of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit this morning. Uh, we pray your blessing on this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so uh, one of the things that uh, your pastor and I talk about all the time is how we both prefer expository preaching. We really like to pick a book or uh, an account, if you will, and just walk through it. Verse by verse, chapter by chapter, word by word. And if you were here when he started Romans, we made it in one word on the first Sunday, right? I mean, it was. some might call it crazy, others might call it great. I'll let you decide where you fall on that spectrum. But it has been rich. Uh, but both of us kind of approach this one-off sermon if you will, from a, a different perspective. I love it. He hates it. I really enjoy getting to set context and give you a little bit of history and paint the picture, if you will, because I'm a storyteller. That's when I was the youth pastor, I loved, I would just tell the story, try to get you in the scene with what we just read, and then we'd get some applications. So that's the goal today, okay? So a little bit of context uh, leading up to Ezekiel 37. At this time, they are all in either Babylonian captivity or they're exiled. Okay? Uh, at the beginning of Ezekiel... Oh, I'm back up. No, there's three prophets on the scene at this time. Jeremiah and Ezekiel overlap by a little bit. And Daniel is also in the scene at this time. Okay? And so, just make a note of that. That's important. When things are tough, God puts people there. To point you back to him, okay? Just a side note, okay? That's not in the notes. That was just something that came to me. Okay, so listen. Captivity. In chapter 24, there was one hill that stood un, uh, unattained by the Babylonians, and that was Jerusalem. The city set on it. That was the one place. So the siege of Jerusalem starts in chapter 24 of the book of Ezekiel and ends in chapter 33. Okay, this is... Also, the turning point of the theme of Ezekiel's prophecy. For seven years, all the way up through chapter 33, he's had one message. Doom, gloom, judgment, captivity, death, it's all bad. If you don't get your life straight, Israel, it's not going to be good for you. That's been the theme. But in chapter 33, the tone shifts to hope. 
and unity, which is ironic because also at this time, Israel is very much divided. You have Israel and Judah. They're not one nation strong together. They're divided, they're separated, and they're weakened. Okay? So this is important context as we look to chapter number 37. There were seven years of prophecy, doom and gloom. We get to chapter 33, and I just find it interesting that when the last city fell, that's when the prophecies of hope began. When we're at our weakest, when the last hope has failed us, that's when God steps in. More times than not. Amen. We have nothing we can do. Our final refuge that we put stock in is done. And God says, I'll show you what's possible if you'll keep your faith in me. All right. Now, so that's, that's some context for you. Kind of gets us up to speed. Uh, and we're now in chapter number 37. Ezekiel finds himself uh, being taken into this vision walking with the Lord into this valley. So we're just going to break down this vision, okay? Point number one, I've, listen, I've got four points in a poem. <laughs> Pastor Zach would be proud. So point number one is the scene. So uh, let's read again verse number one. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. Now, so we're in a valley, okay? Now, you can look at this two ways. A lot of times, metaphorically, we use mountaintops and valleys, valley being the low point, the mountaintop being the high point. But look, when you picture a valley, what do you picture? You know, when we were in Alaska a few months ago, we were in a valley at one point, and there were these huge mountains all around us. The tops were these just really vibrant white gray and black colors with the snow caps and then you come down and you get to the tree line and there's just these lush rich greens from all the trees and the grass and bushes and you know un, untampered with vegetation there on the side you, you come a little further down you have waterfalls just spewing out of the sides of the cliffs and trickling down forming streams and rivers into this valley it's wonderful. You got the birds flying over top. You've got other animals. Good place to settle down, don't you? Sound pretty nice to me. Uh, I just talked about it, and I'm thinking to myself, that's not too bad right there. I could get in, I could get on board with that. Not this valley. This valley is the total opposite of that. This valley is a valley of death. It is dry, it is barren. It is bleached by the sun. There's no life. There's no life present at all. And I do want to emphasize something here. Uh, we're, I'm probably going to beat this to death. And you might get a little bit annoyed. But that's okay. Because I, I can't emphasize enough. How absent of life this place is. It looks like the remnants of a big you know, huge battle scene, right? There's bones everywhere. It looks like a great battle was fought in this valley and then nobody cleaned it up. So that suggests a couple things. Number one, it wasn't a good battle. And, and hear me out when I say that. I'm intentional to say it wasn't a good battle because it's pretty clear nobody won. There's nothing left but bones. Not only was it not a good one, it was a dishonorable battle because we all well even now we have traditions right 
Especially, though, back in the day, the Jews would never have left bodies to rot in the sun. They would have taken them back. They would have wrapped them. They would have put fragrances on them and, and all these things to help preserve the body. And they would have buried them properly and had some type of memorial service of some kind. We do that now. We have funeral services and memorial services. Even pagan cultures do something. But there's nothing. It is a valley covered with dry bones. And listen, the, 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 the emphasis on dry bones is really important. We, we know from when we read, uh, we already read it, but we look ahead to uh, verse 7. And it says the bones came together. This means that right now at the beginning of the vision, no, no two bones that go together are together. Everything is separated. Everything is completely, you, you see what I'm saying? It's decay. It is dead these bones have been dried up there's no moisture there's no residue there's certainly no bits of whatever left blood there's no skin there's nothing it's kind of like uh y'all seen the movie the princess bride y'all didn't know y'all were gonna get that when you came <laughs> you know when when wesley the man in black is dead and they take him to miracle max and he's doing all his stuff he says turns out your friend here is only mostly dead mostly dead is still slightly alive these bones are not mostly dead they are all dead okay i want to make sure we are on the same page all dead 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 okay dead dead it, it's important okay look so he's surrounded by this. There's no presence of physical life. There's no cognitive functions going on. There's certainly no presence of a soul or any spiritual influence even. It is barren. And all of this, as he's standing there, and you picture Ezekiel standing there with God beside him, and God leans over and says, ask the question, point number two. You think these bones can live? And I know that this might seem like a simple question, but it's, there, there's a lot to it, really. The, the question is, I mean, philosophically, rationally, well, no. Right? Common sense suggests we just explored the rich doctrine of the princess bride to prove these bones are dead. There can be no life here, God. Rationally... No, it can't work. There's a lot. I mean, people have been debating where the source of life came from for 6,000 years now. And philosophically, we all agree it doesn't come from dead bones. Okay? It's probably the one thing Christians and atheists and all the like can agree on. It doesn't come from dead bones. We know as Christians the source of life came from God. Right? They think something else, but that's another sermon for another day. Philosophically, no. You, you think scientifically then. Okay? Well, how would we fashion all of these bones together to build a body? 
Because they're completely disjointed. No two things that go together are together. How would we do all this? You know, even today, medically, with all the technology we have, I mean, we can do a lot of pretty cool things, you know? Uh, you, can, you can fasten joints together. You could artificially hold them together and make them function and still have the, you know, the freedom of movement and all the stuff. And you, you could, you could uh, what's it called, transfusion. You could put blood in the body. You could, you could animate a heartbeat. You can do a lot of stuff. But that's not life. That's not, that's not a soul that can cry out to God. That's just a beating heart inside of a corpse. So rationally, no. Scientifically or medically, no. Well, spiritually, Ezekiel knows the power of God. Maybe not in his full. Well, none of us know the power of God in his fullness. We will one day. But in, in, on earth, in this vision, spiritually, Ezekiel's got to be thinking to himself, well, I mean, I can't. I have no power to spiritually put that into somebody else that's living much less dead. If that were the case, many of us would save each other, right? But that's how we know it's not us that's saving each other. It has to be a condition of your personal heart. You have to make that decision to cry out to God for salvation. I can't do that. So no, I can't. Ezekiel, no. And so very simply, we come to the answer. God, only you know. Only you know. There's a, there's a, a, a man in our church. He plays bass guitar, Mr. Randy. Where's he at? I know he's here. Somewhere else. Not important. I'm going to tell you something about Mr. Randy. There he is right there. Mr. Randy is somebody that I hope to be exactly like when I grow up. That man is an inspiration to me. And I know he doesn't like the spotlight, so I'll just whisper to you real close so he doesn't hear me. Next time we sing a song, y'all watch him. That man worships. That man worships unashamedly. But last Sunday, for whatever reason, that service gave me fits. Uh, so Pastor Zach and I plan the services together usually, and I, you know, I'm picking songs and praying over the set list and things like that. And he's preparing a message and we talk, communicate, try to make it all one big thing that just points to Jesus. That's the goal. Well, last week, for whatever reason, I, I can't explain to you why the band, they all know this. I told them the morning of even up through the sound check uh, right before the 830 service. There was just this feeling of there's nothing wrong, but it's not right. You know, it's, it's just kind of weird. But I knew that what we were doing was what we were supposed to be doing. It's, I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but it's an odd thing to try to describe. But Mr. Randy walked up to me and put his hand on my shoulder, looked me in the eye. He said, never rule out the God factor. And I got to tell you, I don't know if anybody else left here having been able to worship, but I did. It was awesome. And I'm going to tell you something. In this moment, in Ezekiel's man brain, 
There's no life here. There's only death. There's complete death. Dead, dead. But the God factor. God, only you know. And that's what he says. And so the answer, Lord, only you know, has to come from a, a world of emotions. This first emotion has got to be brokenness and defeat. Remember the history, the context that this, is, this vision happens in? His people that God has placed him with to prophesy to them, to point them back to him. They've all rejected God yet again. And lo and behold, what happens? They land in Babylonian captivity. It's almost as if when God said, look, it's coming. If you don't turn to me, it's coming. And here we are. It is here. So his people that he's prophesying to, his message has been doom, judgment, destruction, condemnation. It's coming. This man has been preaching one message for seven years. Judgment and wrath. That's got a way on your soul. If you remember when we were walking through Romans chapter 1 and chapter 2 uh, and the first part of chapter 3, Pastor Zach told me week after week, I cannot wait to get to this one verse because everything just feels so heavy and dark and it forces you to look within and there's so much conviction. But when we get to this one verse, the whole thing shifts and it's, whew, it's worship time. It's glorious and the, the whole dynamic changes. So for seven years... It's been one message of darkness is coming. This man is broken. His people don't want to listen to him. It's a hard time. This, uh, this has to be a humble answer as well. If, you, if you've read the book of Ezekiel, it is weird. The first few chapters are just odd. I mean, you, you know, you read Psalms and you're like, the heavens declare the glory of God. Yes. Amen. You, you, you study the life of David. It's all cool stuff. It's battle scenes and fights and still pointing people to just, yes, man stuff. Cool. And then you, you know, but then you get to Ezekiel. Dear Ezekiel, dear prophet Ezekiel, this is God. You're going to lay on your left side for 40 days and you can't eat anything except bread baked over human waste. By the way, you'll also be a mute. And the only time you can talk is if I speak through you. To ask the question, where is Jesus in that passage? He's there. Not a, I wasn't actually questioning you. He's there. But listen, and then, and then at the end of 40 days, guess what, Ezekiel? Roll over on your other side and do it all again. This is weird. And so Ezekiel, being an obedient prophet, does these things. And now he's standing with God in the valley of death, knee deep in dry bones, which a prophet would never be knee deep in any kind of filth. That would have, no, 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 no. You don't do that. So he finds himself here with the Lord answering this question of, can there be life in these bones? Humbly, he says, it's you, God. It's only you. See, Ezekiel would have also known his history. He would have known about Elijah. He would have known about Elisha raising people from the dead. So he could have even mentally processed like, I know it's possible, but there's one problem. The, the, the time frame from their loss of life to their resurrection by whichever one 
was relatively short. A few days at most. And so even then, we're in a different set of circumstances here. They were only mostly dead. I'm just kidding. They were completely dead. That was a joke. Some of y'all need to loosen up. But these are decayed. Time, weather, and the, the sun have done its work on these bones. That's a whole other ball game. When I was in college, I was forced against my will to take a biology class. And uh, I was a music major, and I had to take science. I want to study science. Ugh. Who's science teacher in the room? <laughs> There's one in here somewhere. I can't remember. Anyway, but listen. I learned because of the professor, Professor Hennigan. It was really cool. I actually enjoyed the class because he was a cool teacher. But he taught us, and it has been ingrained in my brain. He taught us about this spectrum of complexity. And over here, you have the bottom. Rocks. Dirt. Completely inanimate. They don't do anything except be there. And then over here on this side, you have the top end of complexity. Humans. We are the peak. That's why God created us and gave us dominion over the earth. To take care of it for his glory and be good stewards over it. We're at the top. Rocks are at the bottom. These bones that we've been talking about are over there. Okay? So even Ezekiel himself having not had to be forced to take a biology class in college, would have been able to gather. No. Only God can work here. There's nothing for me to work with. But I think there's a third emotion here. Because he's had one message for seven years, because God has, in Caleb's words, paraphrased, done some weird stuff with Ezekiel, because of these things, because of his knowledge of Elijah and Elisha and their stories of resurrection. There's got to be some humility. There's also got to be hope. Can't you? We've we got a lot of parents in the room. Parents, grandparents, even some great grandparents in the room. How many times when you go to the grocery store for the weekly run, right? Just business as usual. Got to go get groceries for the week and your kids are there with you. And they know, I'm probably not getting a toy today. This is just the weekly grocery run. Nothing fancy, nothing fun. We're getting, in, in my house, we're getting lots of meat and bread for dad and lots of vegetables for mom. Okay? It's nothing, nothing exciting. You walk past the toy aisle and they look. And then you come back past the toy aisle to go check out and they're looking down the aisle. And then you realize, oh, I forgot something. You go back past it again. And the whole time they're sitting there eyeing that, that thing that's on the end cap. And it's, it's the coolest, most recent, bestest toy that is right now. And they want it. But they know it's probably not happening. But for whatever reason, when you come back past the aisle this last time, you stop. And they're standing there. Holding on to daddy's finger. And you look down at him. You say. What do you think about that? And you all know what happens. Their whole demeanor changes. This, this glimmer of hope. Swells up in their gut. 
and their face starts to get real excited. And they look back up at you and they say, that'd be pretty cool. That'd be all right with me, Dad. If it's all right with you. But you're the one that has the money. And if you're Jacob, you also talk about how you don't ever get paid for chores. And so, Dad, it's really up to you whether or not I get a toy today. Can't you see Ezekiel standing in a valley of death, holding on to God's finger? You're walking there. There's nothing but death around you. And God leans over and he says, you think they could live? And I can only imagine that a glimmer of hope swelled up in Ezekiel's gut. His face changes. God only you know that but I think there's excitement and I think there's this idea in the back of his head that says if you let me go I will prophesy over these bones and I'll let you do your work and we'll see what the result is and that's the last point and we got a lot more to talk about so don't get excited but <laughs> but you look here in verse 7 the answer I'm sorry, the result, the result, my fault. The result is this. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and behold, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked and behold, sinews were on them. Flesh grew, skin covered them, but there was still no breath. Verse 9, then he said to me, prophesy to the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they come to life so I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they came to life and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army can we fast forward from where we were totally surrounded by dead dead over here the bottom of the spectrum no life they're inanimate they don't do anything except just sit there and do nothing now they're over here one prophecy brought them from dead dead to full of life, standing an exceedingly great army. That is the God factor. That's what God does when we say, I will be faithful and leave the results up to you. Now, if we keep reading, verse 11. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves. I will cause you to come up out of your graves, my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves and caused you to come up out of your graves, my people. I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life and I will place you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and done it, declares the Lord. Now, listen, we've already kind of walked through this whole vision and it brings you to this. God says to Ezekiel, these bones represent my chosen people. My chosen people right now have rejected me. They're dead. They're dried. They're bleached by the sun. They've decayed. They have disjointed. The flesh has decomposed itself. All the fancy medical words, again, forced against my will into biology. Listen, all these things are done. They are the furthest from life they have ever been. 
there is one hope for them, and it is me, Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit. There is one hope, one way they stand again, one way that those muscles and all that soft tissue gets held to their bones again, and one way they're protected by skin from the environment around them, one way they get breath and new life in their lungs, it is God, nothing else. There is no hope for them aside from me, and they have forgotten it. There's, there's this theme we, I've noticed we forget a lot. When we, when we read scripture, when we're teaching and preaching, there's this thing we leave out. And I don't think, I don't, there's no malice behind it, I don't think. We just kind of overlook it, I think. But even, even Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, even in Ephesians when, when uh, Paul says, every knee's going to bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, there's, that's not the end of the phrase. It's to the glory of God the Father. To the glory of God. When Jesus was on the cross. Not your will. God forgive them. He recognized. Even while he was here on earth. He said. Equality with the father. Is not even for me. Everything is for God's glory. And so when you have death in front of you. And God says, what do you think about that? And you say, I don't know, Lord. You're the one with all the power. You're the one with, with the capability to do this. And he said, go, prophesy, do your thing, and watch what happens when you're obedient, and I bless it. Now there's an exceedingly great army standing before him. And God says, this is what I can do for Israel. And they'll know that I'm their God. It's all for his glory. Let's not forget everything. Is for the glory of God. Okay. Everything is for the glory of God. Now listen. I, I, I alluded to this. This excitement. That swells up in Ezekiel. I want to ask you a question. When's the last time. Myself included. Okay. I'm not talking down at you. When's the last time we. Found ourselves in a position. Where we were surrounded by spiritual death. And we had a burden for it. And we're standing there, holding on to God's finger. He says, you think that soul can be made alive? How many of you get excited at the thought of looking back up at God the Father and saying, I don't know, but you know, and if you let me go, I'm going to evangelize that person under the table. When is the last time you were excited about it? It's not lost that uh, this weekend was Rosh Hashanah. And you've got me convinced, man. Mr. Brian has got me convinced. Yom Teruah. I believe that's when the rapture is going to happen. Now, I'm no authority, so you don't have to take my word for it. He told me. <laughs> I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Listen, but listen, there, there's a lot of things that go into this, and I'll just encourage you, look it up, read it, study it. But suffice to say... Uh, I believe we're given the details that point us to when the rapture is going to happen. I don't know that we know the year. I don't think we know the year. But we're here now, so we're probably good for a year. <laughs> this weekend, next year, maybe. But listen, the point of that all is this. We don't know. 
And we're constantly surrounded by lost souls. And they need to be made alive for God's glory, for the furtherance of God's kingdom, and so that Jesus can be Savior to a new soul. They can have the Spirit indwelled within them, and they can then, too, be joining us, the exceedingly great army pointing other people back to God. Okay? <clears throat> now listen, there's some stuff here. I want, I want to get into this for just a minute. Uh, like I say, I keep the joke running here, forced to take biology. I was a music major. I got a D in the class, so technically, <laughs> I met my requirement. That's all that I had to get. The dean of music was like, look, man, I don't care if you get an A in biology. So anyway, uh, okay, so I looked up the, the anatomical definitions of these few things here. We start with the bones. I know we know what bones are. Just bear with me. Okay, bones, definition. Bones are made of connective tissue reinforced with calcium and specialized bone cells. Most bones contain bone marrow where blood cells are made. Bones work with muscles and joints to hold our body together and support freedom of movement. This is called the musculoskeletal system. Can we just stop and appreciate that I said however many syllables that was without having to pause? Good old boy from northeast Georgia. Listen, the bones are the foundation. They are the most inner core to what we need to be able to move, to be able to go, to be able to function. You heard it. Blood cells are even made in the bone marrow. Okay, so we need that. You, you fast forward a little bit. Uh, verse 7, I prophesied and commanded, uh, there was a noise. Behold, a rattling. The bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them. That wasn't there before, but it's there now. What is the definition of sinew, Caleb? I'm so glad you asked. The tendon that connects muscles to bone is also called sinew. The noun is used to suggest strength, resilience, and is even sometimes used as a term for muscle. So the bones are standing. This is kind of weird to preach about, but can you imagine that scene? Skeletons standing there. And all of a sudden, there's tissue on the bones. And then you keep reading. Uh, sinews were on them and flesh grew. We're in verse 8. Sorry, flesh grew. What is flesh? This is all the soft tissue that includes muscle, fat, blood vessels, connective tissue. This is on all animals, humans, and even fruit. Fun fact for you. But all of a sudden, you start to see muscles form. You start to see fat cells forming around those muscles. And you start to see this. It's starting to look like a body that we might begin to recognize. You understand? The cool part is, at the core, we're all very similar. Our skeletons, our bones. Like, I have, I have this leg bone and so do you. Okay? We're very similar in that regard. Some of us are taller and broader than others. And some of us are petite and tiny. But that part's very similar. But the sinew and the soft tissue are what make you look like you. And so there's a uniqueness there. So God not only builds you from the foundation, the core, the structure that holds your entire body together and gives you the freedom to move around. He gives you the things that hold what make you uniquely you together. And then he puts skin on it. Now... This is interesting. Skin is the largest organ, and it is a vital organ that covers the entire outside of the body, forming a protective barrier 
against pathogens and injuries from the environment. Now, I have to be honest, I'm a typical man. I don't really think about my skin very much. It's not something I wake up in the morning and go, ooh, skin. Doesn't work. Doesn't happen. But I, I also never thought that this is, this is a protective layer. And I know you're thinking, Caleb, we know what skin is. We're adults. I understand that. But did you hear what it said? It, it's a protective barrier against pathogens and injuries from the environment. Once you've been made alive, death can't get in. Once you've been made alive in Christ, death has no power over you anymore. He builds you from the ground up and says, I've given you my life and nothing can take it now. But we've got one more piece of the puzzle. And this is interesting. This is cool stuff. If you go back to verse 5. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you. Now, there's a word used for breath that has multiple meanings. The word is ruach. It means breath. It means wind. It means spirit. It also is used oftentimes spirit, capital S, meaning the Holy Spirit. Oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. Verse 5, thus says the Lord God of these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you. You skip down to verse 9. Prophesy to the wind, Ruach. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds. Now, this is a different wind here. This is, this is command the winds, the four winds of heaven itself to come down and invade these bodies. All right. yeah, some of y'all aren't. Okay, we'll keep going. Listen, we skip down then to verse number 14. I will put my spirit in them. This is the same word, ruach. What is it? What's the significance? It means that from the beginning, God's intention was to give all of us his life. People get confused and people want to attack Christianity and attack the church and say that God is an unloving God who condemns people to hell. That's just not true. Our sin is what condemns us to hell. Listen, I, uh, probably one of the best analogies I ever heard on this subject, I actually heard it on TikTok of all things, of all things. Gentleman's up there, I'm scrolling through, and he says, you know, people get so caught up on this idea that God's an unloving God and he wants to send all the people that don't love him back to hell. No. If you want to picture a boat, that boat is destined to sink to the depths. God is the one who threw you the lifeline. And he said, you put your faith in me. Cry out, and I've got you. And when I rebuild you from death to life and I awaken your soul when after you cried out to me death will have no power over you any longer because you have my spirit inside of you what does this mean for the church I don't I don't want to use the too much symbolism here contextually 
This was written for Israel. Okay? God is saying to Ezekiel, my chosen people right now are dysfunctional. They are hopeless. They are lost and unorganized, all the things. But he said, they can live again. I will raise them to life. I will put them on their own land. And they will be my people. What does this mean for us? We were dead. We might have had a body. We might have been able to stand and move around. But we were still somehow in the midst of all that. The furthest from life we could possibly be. We were at that end of the spectrum. But when the word of the Lord is presented to you and you say, I want life. I want a relationship with the creator, the one who died for me. And I want to be guided by his spirit. Something happens. Bones begin to rattle. Sinews and soft tissue form in your clothing skin and God sends his spirit to invade your body and indwell you and give you guidance from here to eternity. And listen, that is exciting stuff. We might not be Israelites, God's chosen people, but I think God's plan of redemption was set in motion in Genesis 1-1. I think from the beginning all the way through the end, there's one theme. There's one thing. God created everything. We rejected him. But he wanted us so bad. He wanted you. He wanted Caleb so bad. He gave his son. Gave of himself. To be tortured and brutally murdered. But beyond that to endure the separation from God. And then come back to life three days later. God wants to put his spirit in you pastor zach said it last week we've been preaching it wrong for years we keep talking about you need to give your life to god give your life to god give your life to god he said this incorrect we need to let god give his life to us i i heard that my mind was blown and i thought i've been praying wrong for 32 years now what is up with that yes I can't do anything. Even if I totally surrendered, that might cover the next two seconds before I decide that I want to go over here and do something else. We can't even surrender. But God can still resurrect us and God can still give us life. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the time we've been able to spend worshiping you together. Uh, Lord, I pray I pray and I, I hope that you have been highly exalted this morning. But Lord, after this time we've spent together, I pray that people realize your plan to save us was set in motion thousands of years ago. You knew our name and now you know our new name. This written down in glory. And Lord, if there's somebody here who doesn't know you, doesn't have that personal relationship and that walk with you, Lord, I pray that uh, you would do just what you did in this valley of death. I pray you would invade their soul. And I pray you convict them. And I pray their one and only capable response would be to cry out to you for salvation. And Lord, I pray that when we leave here, those of us who are alive in you, 
I pray we leave knowing we're an exceedingly great army. Not because we're special, not because we're strong physically, not because we're smart or we can, we've got any sense of wisdom, but because your spirit is inside of us. Lord, we give you all the glory for the things you've done this morning and the things you're going to do the rest of this day and this week to come. We love you and thank you so much for your many blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going we've to, got, we've got time. We're going to do the invitation a little bit different today. Normally, we try to make this just in a time of inviting you to come and uh, pray at the, the altar here. You can pray where you are, but I want to I wanna go ahead. Let's stand. We're going to sing this song. And look, if you've been made alive already, this is the future hope that we have, the assurance of our salvation. Let's worship and let's sing. If you don't know God today, I'm going to be down here. We've got a handful of other individuals in this room that would love to also talk with you about getting that settled because you, we want you to be part of the army. Okay? We want you to be part of the army with us, pointing people back to Jesus. So let's sing like a great army that's going to point people to Jesus.
Aren't you thankful for salvation? Glory to God. Praise His name. Listen, before we let you go, there's one thing I just want to make sure everybody remembers. Not next Sunday, but two weeks from today, we'll start our week of revival. Okay, that's all, uh, August, good night. October the 1st, right outside, we will have a combined worship service. So no 8.30 service that day. Okay, we'll all be together. We'll meet at the time of Sunday school. Uh, we've got a time of worship with Mr. Danny Funderburk again. He's going to lead us for that hour. If you've been here with Mr. Danny's here, it is a sweet time of worship. All, all the old ladies just want to pinch his little cheeks. He's a fun guy. But listen, uh, so we have that. And then we have the, the worship service to follow at 11. We'll all be outside. We'll have the tent set up right out there. So y'all make sure to plan to be here and bring people with you. Okay? We will have a Sunday evening worship service beginning that night all the way through Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. Okay? Make plans to be here. It's going to be special, special stuff. Uh, hopefully, lots of great testimonies begin uh, next, uh, that week. So, uh, let's say a quick prayer and we'll be dismissed to go our separate ways. Lord, we thank you again for this morning. We love you so much for all the mighty things you do for us. We thank you for the blessings uh, you see fit to bestow upon us. Lord, I pray uh, we leave here as an army ready to go to battle. Uh, Lord, we know that the gates of hell will not prevail. And so I pray we take that to heart and we charge those gates and we win souls for you. Lord, we love you and we praise you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen.
stations entertain or may be informed we go beyond that what we air might be entertaining but it's also good for your soul great for your family and it's a force for building a better community we are 97.5 glory fm Mike Wolford weekdays from 6 to 10 for a glorious morning in North Georgia on 97.5 Glory FM. You remember the story of the resurrection day they went to the tomb the stone was rolled away I'm sure that the soldier didn't know what to say Everyone could see he was gone Listen to me, pilot I'll tell you what I saw I looked inside the tomb 
he wasn't there at all The pilot shook his head and thought the tale was kind of tall This is what the soldier had to say Remember who he is, remember what he does Remember what he said, remember where he was He can do anything just because Remember who he is, remember what he does Maybe all your troubles put you on the ground Maybe you're believing that they're gonna keep you down But when I read the Bible and the stories that I found I believe that he can make a way Remember who he is, remember what he does Remember what he said, remember where he was He can do anything just because Remember who he is, remember what he does Said, remember where he was He can do anything just because Remember who he is Remember what he does Remember who he is Remember what he does Remember what he said Remember where he was He can do anything just because Remember who he is Remember what he does to it all the time. We're at this station keeping you focused on the things of God. It just gives a positive environment to our home. 97.5 Glory FM. Walking out this morning beneath the blue skies of your grace. All my sin forgiven and all my shame erased. And I thought to myself, why you smiling so much? You know who you were and you know what you've done. But then I thought to myself, I'm completely redeemed and I'm loved. Cause you are the great, great God of my joy. You are the reason for the noise of celebration and highest praise. Circumstance, I'm lifting great. 
your favorite Southern gospel music. 97.5 Glory FM. Question why the righteous suffer loss, and we wonder if tomorrow's crown is worth today's cross. We cry out for the reasons, but all the while we know that some things won't be answered here below. Glory FM, your family radio station in North Georgia. Hi, 